0: I went deeper is how I handled it. I went deeper with my own growth, with my own confidence, with my own self-image. And I also went deeper with my audience and was forced to kind of bring them along for that ride because my brand could no longer be about having an eight pack, (laughs) having cap delts, having you know, the sparkly bikini on and winning the trophies. Like, it it literally couldn't be about that. Welcome back to the show and welcome to a solo episode. This is an ask me anything entrepreneurship edition. And when I put out the open call for questions on my Instagram stories, which by the way, I'm Marie E. Wold over there. If you don't already follow me, when I put out this open call, I said, make it juicy because the podcast is my most unfiltered platform. This is where I have space and have given myself the full permission slip to really go there. You know what I mean? So we have questions about body image. We have questions about boundaries. We have questions about the dark side of entrepreneurship, about breaking stereotypes, about gaining momentum, so many good questions, and I'm not even able to probably get to them all today, so we might have to do a part two. So without further ado, let's dive in. And by the way, if your question got answered, send me a DM because my team is going to give you a Starbucks gift card, just as like a thank you for participating. Let's kick it off with maybe the million dollar question, literally, that is from Hannah Bailey Fit. And she said, what's the number one thing that has helped make you successful? And I think there are so many layers to this and there are so many different directions that I could take my answer. And of course, things like privilege and access and being at the right place at the right time have played a role in my success. But if I had to narrow it down to one thing that I could control and one thing that kind of all roads <laughs> lead back to when I think think about the different ways I could take this question, the number one thing is that I decided a long time ago that I will hit my goals no matter what. Like I decided one time that I was going to start a business, grow a business, scale a business. And of course, like my goals and my vision for my life and my future and my legacy, like those things have shifted and evolved over time. But every time I set a goal or set a vision, it is not negotiable. It's not up for debate. And I decide once. And I actually talked about this in my Instagram story that When you leave things up for debate, when you make taking action negotiable, when you make your goals negotiable and you start playing the game of will I, won't I, can I, can't I, should I, shouldn't I, you are losing and leaking so much fucking time and energy and effort and willpower, which is maybe the biggest thing. Like if you have to constantly convince yourself that you're doing the thing, like if you have to constantly convince yourself that your goal is going to happen or that you're even going to take the actions needed, like if you have to constantly convince yourself, I'm going to post on social media today. I'm going to sell something today. I'm going to do X, Y, Z step. I know that's going to get me closer to my goals. I'm going to eat healthy today. I'm going to go to the gym. I'm going to whatever. If you make that up for debate and that's something that you negotiate with yourself you are self-sabotaging so hard and I say that from a place of experience but where I have never wavered on that big picture wise is my business I have of course had like mindset blocks I've of course I've dealt with burnout I've had situations where I've maybe negotiated on the day-to-day stuff of like oh maybe I don't need to get a post up today, whatever. But my overall goal and vision and the concept of getting what I want has never been up for debate. It's never been a thought of, will I hit my goals? Will I get what I want? In my head, it is quite literally only a matter of time before I get everything that I want. And I that sounds like the most only child shit I've ever heard. <laughs> and that could be a part of it. It could also be that I'm an Aquarius. It could also be that I'm an Enneagram 3, the Achiever. It can also be that I'm a manifesting generator. Whatever you want to put as the explanation for that, that's just it. Like It has never been a question of whether or not I'm going to get my way, and I understand that that sounds a little unhinged. Like I totally get that, but I also think that it requires a level of unhingedness for you to go after stuff that is against the grain, that is not, quote unquote, realistic by society's normal standards. And it, you have to be willing to have your own back and bet on yourself and be so unwavering in your belief that it's possible where it doesn't matter If there's a little failure along the way, it doesn't matter if someone else doubts you. It doesn't matter if you get judged. It doesn't matter if there's a big failure along the way and you have to literally start over at square one. It doesn't matter because you have committed to getting what you want eventually. Even if the timeline or the path, the journey is not exactly how you pictured it, you are on the path, you are on the journey, and you're going to figure it out. And that level of like commitment and unwavering just vision for yourself and your life and having your own freaking back. That's the number one thing that has helped me be successful and be successful, not to toot my own horn, but like be successful at anything I put my mind to because I'm not the most brilliant marketer. I'm not the most beautiful person on the Internet. I'm not the smartest person. I'm not the most athletic person. I'm not really the most of anything. Like I've never been the person where success just comes so easily. I was really good at school and I'm really good at taking tests. (laughs) So maybe that, but like I played collegiate volleyball. I was never the most naturally gifted athlete. I was always the person who would stay late and put in reps. And go to clinics in the summer where I would literally practice until my feet were bleeding. Like I have never been the most naturally gifted or the overnight success person or the person who it all just comes easily to. But I am the person who is so deeply committed to their goals that nothing will stay in my way. And it might take me longer than some other people. It might take me more practice, more reps. But I will... <laughs> figure it out and I will make it happen. And it's just a matter of time. And like, don't get me wrong. I do see myself as intelligent. I see myself as talented at marketing. I definitely have a marketing brain. I have a business brain. But even so, my business has never been this overnight success. I have been in the game for literally a decade. I do not exaggerate. Literally October 2012 is when I made the first Instagram post on the account I have now. I sold my first thing, a digital recipe ebook, clean eating recipe ebook, like 6 months after that, and I have been in the game practicing marketing, practicing running a business, practicing content pretty much every day since then. And so, yes, my business historically doubles like year over year. Yes, I have six-figure launches consistently. Yes, I have a million dollar business. Yes, we'll do a million dollars in revenue this year, blah, blah, blah. All that stuff is amazing and flashy and cool. But do not (laughs) misunderstand me and assume that it's been an overnight success. It has been an unwavering commitment to my goals and an unwavering commitment to getting better. That's the secret that everyone's looking for and like yes of course it takes evolved strategies and it takes support and I've invested hundreds of thousands of dollars into mentorship and education and learning what I know now in order to execute this stuff but it's it's the commitment like it's the commitment and it's the refusing to settle for anything less that is actually the number one thing that has helped make me Successful. If you couldn't tell, that's something I'm so, so passionate about. So I had to kick off this episode with that first question, but let's keep it moving. Let's keep it moving in group. I like this question from at the Grounded Aries. They asked, Being a fitness CEO comes with body slash appearance criticism. How did you handle it? And if you're newer to my world, before I was a business coach, which I fully pivoted into about three years ago, before I was a business coach, I was an online fitness coach and then I was more an online wellness and confidence coach. Not as much focused on the fitness side in terms of like weight loss and getting stronger and stuff, but more so the wellness and confidence. But before I even was an online coach, I was a full time fitness influencer and, dare I say, one of the founding fathers of fitness influencing. I was in the first wave of fitness influencers and I was, you know, one of the first people that was getting. PR from brands and doing brand deals and being a sponsored athlete for supplement companies and bodybuilding.com and all that stuff. And obviously when that's where you come from and when your so much of your growth happened because of your fitness journey and your physique, like the fastest I ever grew on Instagram, on YouTube, on Twitter. I had big audiences on all of those platforms. Still do on Instagram. I had my fastest growth still to date when I was like doing bikini competitions and I had like an eight pack and was prepping for my shows and stuff because that's fascinating, right? But I had my fastest growth, the highest engagement people were the most like curious about me and invested in my journey in like a vanity metric sort of way during that phase when I looked literally unbelievable because that's super unhealthy, super extreme, (laughs) super temporary. But, you know, I was very much taught that, okay, the more insane your body looks, the more you're rewarded on social media. And I would say that's still kind of true to an extent, but there has been such a better movement towards, like, body positivity around normalizing having like body fat around confidence around self-love that didn't really exist when I was coming up in the industry and when I say coming up in the industry that was probably about mm, six seven eight years ago and that didn't really exist so think like 2014 through 2016 17 it was very much appearance-driven. It was very much like, who's the leanest? Who has the most abs? Who is winning their shows? And I did all of that. But once I started burning out from being so obsessive and extreme with my workouts, with my nutrition, with my life literally revolving around my fitness, and my physique, once I burned out from that and also had to deal with these hormone be- hormonal imbalances and uncontrollable weight gain and ended up getting diagnosed with Hashimoto's thyroiditis. Like all of this stuff, my body really changed and I gained quite a bit of weight and people judged me for it. Like people were quite mean about that reality. They were very unforgiving about the changes to my body and as much as that sucked and as much as it was triggering, cause obviously when I had previously been so attached to my physique and then dealing with that, like I was already struggling without anyone else's judgment but knowing that people were noticing, knowing that people thought literally and were saying, oh, she's just another washed up bikini girl, blah, 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 blah. Knowing that that was happening as much as it sucked, it forced me as like an act of survival. <laughs> to really dig into my own confidence, my own self-image, my own identity outside of my abs, outside of my body fat percentage, outside of being a bikini girl, outside of having the perfect selfie lighting, whatever. (laughs) Like it forced me to go through massive self-growth and transformation. And so to answer the question, like, how did you handle it? I handled it as best as I could. (laughs) I went to therapy. I really went inward and I had to ground myself in my own self-worth and what I thought about myself and what I believed about myself and really prioritize me and my health over the vanity metrics, over what other people thought. Thankfully, by that time, I had already been on the internet since I was like 16. I had already been on the internet receiving feedback, quote unquote, for years. And so I was able to have a level of neutrality about what people were saying about me, but it still stung, of course. Like, of course it still sucks to get negativity and be trolled and get hate and have people pass judgment on you. But the silver lining of that is is being so visible and receiving opinions from other people forces you to have your own back and do that inner work where you are confident in you, you love you regardless of what other people say. So the, the answer to how I handled it is I went inwards and I figured out how to have my own back no matter what my body looked like and no matter what other people were saying. And I also learned through this because my I found a way to keep my business growing And have my business results not be directly correlated with how my body looks. And I figured out how to use my journey and my experience of the weight gain and the hormone imbalances and the confidence. And I found a way to turn that into like what became my signature program for wellness and confidence I realized that no matter what phase of my journey I was in, I had immense value to share. And so I figured out how to extract the lessons and teach from my lived experience in a way that was valuable to other people beyond look at my abs. Here's this like quote. Here's the work that I did today. I actually got so much deeper with the value I was offering, with the conversations I was kind of facilitating through my content, with the self-growth that I was able to prompt in other people. And so I went deeper is how I handled it. I went deeper with my own growth, with my own confidence, with my own self-image. And I also went deeper with my audience and was forced to kind of bring them along for that ride because my brand could no longer be about having an eight-pack having cap delts, having, you know, the sparkly bikini on and winning the trophies like it it literally couldn't be about that. So it sucked. It was really painful, but taught me so, so much. And I can't say I regret any of it because it was extremely valuable looking back. So if you are still in the fitness space, maybe you're a fitness coach, a health coach a fat loss coach, a nutrition coach, a holistic health coach, whatever it might be, if you are in that space or maybe you're growing a following as an influencer, the best thing that you can do is build a connection and build expertise and build a baseline level of knowledge beyond just what you look like and beyond the physique aspect of what you do. So whether that's talking about mental health, whether it's about hormones, gut health, confidence, even like style, body image, anything that creates more depth and nuance and allows you to connect with people beyond what you look like, that's how you make it so that your body and your appearance are not the only thing that people care about when it comes to you. Like you have to be intentional about giving them something else to care about, you know? So in a long way, that's, that's the story of how I handled it and my advice for how anyone else could handle it as well. Okay, hold on. I needed to interrupt this episode quickly because I've realized that it doesn't matter how hard you work or even how Quote unquote productive you are, how many hours you put in if you are going hard in the wrong direction, which is why it is so important to be clear and confident about your goals. And that's the exact reason why I've incorporated goal setting into all of my coaching programs. Because if my clients are not clear on their goals, if they don't know where we're going and why we're going there, it doesn't matter what strategies we pull out. It doesn't matter how much planning we do. We have to get clear on what the destination is first. And so I swear by this goal setting visualization and it is something that previously was only available to my clients. It's a visualization that I lead and I walk you through and now I've made it available for free for everyone. I swear by it. Even if you're not a visualization girly, I have just converted (laughs) so many people into loving a good visualization with this exact exercise. So I'm going to leave a link to it in the episode description, or you can head immediately to mariewold.goals. That's M-A-R-I-E-W-O-L-D.com slash goals. Again, it is totally free. It will take you 25 minutes. And I've hooked you up with a bonus workbook just to help you reflect and process and really start implementing on all the breakthroughs that you have. So enjoy. Let me know how it goes because I know it's gonna be a game changer for you. And let's get back to the episode. Let's move on to something a little spicier. Maybe this question. This is from Emily Lerner. And she said, What's the hardest boundary you've had to set with a client or clients? And how did you do it? So I would say, There are like three main things that come up when boundaries and clients are the topic of conversation. One that's like really simple and something that I see a lot with my clients and their businesses and questions that they're asking me about their businesses and something that I've dealt with, you know, a handful of times. My fair share based on, you know, working with hundreds and honestly, probably thousands total clients between the different coaching businesses I've had would be clients asking for more than what has been agreed upon or expecting more than what has been agreed upon and where their their expectation and their requests do not align with the the offer that they're in the program that they're in the contract that they've signed and you have to kind of set the boundary of like look I totally understand that you're looking for xyz however this is what our work together looks like right now. This is like, the, this is how you can make the most of the program that you're in. This is how you can make the most of this access to me. And just kind of reestablishing and resetting expectations so everyone's on the same page. That's something that maybe happens personally, but it, to me, that's not a very uncomfortable conversation. The key is that you can't take it personally. <laughs> like you, you, it's it's neutral. And just kind of reestablishing expectations is the solution there. But a couple more like difficult examples would be clients not taking contracts seriously because contracts are kind of the ultimate form of boundaries. And I alluded to that in the last one, right? Like when someone hires me as their business coach, they sign a contract of what the deliverables are, what the expectations are, how we communicate the dates all that stuff and so bigger picture of that is clients not taking contracts seriously and then having to essentially step into this like bad cop role and hold them to an agreement even when it's meant like up to involving an attorney and bring in like my legal team and that's never fun like especially because we would never have a problem if people just respected the contract. And when I say respect the contract, I mean following through with like the payment plan that they committed to. That could be someone deciding like, oh, actually, I just changed my mind. I don't want to do this anymore. So I don't expect to be held to the commitment that I made. That could be someone, again, expecting more than what's contracted, That could be someone just completely like ghosting and not paying you. That could be someone disparaging you. Like there are so many different things that we have covered in my contracts. And I have to hold that boundary and I have to enforce my contracts. Otherwise, what's the point? And it's, Even more than like a respect thing for me and my business, it's also a respect thing for my other clients who do respect their contracts and who do honor their commitments. And where it gets really frustrating is when people don't take it, just don't take it seriously. Because especially if you're hiring me to help you grow your business and then you can't Honor the commitments that you made, that does not bode well for your own business, right? I very much believe that, like, you get what you give, karma is very real. And so, if you are someone who isn't respecting contracts, who isn't taking responsibility for your part of a coaching relationship, who is intentionally like being honestly a nightmare client, (laughs) then you can expect that to come back to you, right? Like if you can't respect other people's contracts, if you can't respect other people's businesses, I would expect that to be returned in your business if it, you know, if it survives. So that's been something that is tough, but something I always come back to is that what's fair is what's in the contract, right? Like The the contract protects both parties. The contract is fair. The contract is what both people are like willingly agreeing to. And so what's fair is what is in there. And me enforcing the contract, me holding that like very literal legal boundary is neutral. And it doesn't always feel that way because. I'm a human being running a business, and so it can hurt when clients betray trust or clients don't respect our contract or respect our work together. But at the end of the day, I have to look at the contract and the circumstance as neutral because it is a business agreement, even when that means like involving an attorney, even when that means sending demand letters, even when that means sending people to collections sometimes. that sometimes is the thing that happens or needs to happen in order to enforce a boundary. And of course, my team and I give people so many opportunities to do the right thing. Like we will never just straight up send someone to collections if, you know, they are communicating with us, if, you know, we know what's going on. And there's a way that we can accommodate de- accommodate them because our golden rule is like we hold people to their commitments, but we can be flexible with what that looks like. But if someone's intentionally ghosting, if someone's intentionally like not communicating, not respectful, then my hands are tied and it's my responsibility to enforce the boundary that we both agreed to. So that sucks. And speaking of attorneys, like another boundary I've had to set is I've had to bring in attorneys when a previous client like participated in what we believe, disclaimer, is like plagiarism, intellectual property infringement, just kind of generally what we deem as unethical business practices. And that was definitely something that was really hard. But at the end of the day, like if you're a CEO of a business, You have to do your due diligence to protect your business and if you don't protect your intellectual property, especially with a business that is online and that is so fundamentally based on intellectual property, you have nothing, right? So that stuff sucks. (laughs) That is the least favorite part for me for running a business is contract stuff, legal stuff. It feels so icky, but at the end of the day... Again, what's in the contract is what's fair. And if I don't protect my business, I wouldn't be a good business owner. And so that's the tough part. And that's something that I always have to support my clients with as they're scaling. Because at the end of the day, it is inevitable that if you work with enough people, if you have enough clients, if you sell enough things, if you are visible enough and you are actually doing the work you will deal with stuff like that. Like you will deal with clients who don't respect your contract. You will deal with clients who ghost on their payments. You will deal with clients who are potentially doing things you don't agree with, things you deem as unethical. And it's your responsibility as a business owner to protect the business, even when it feels really shitty. And so I definitely have had to also support a lot of clients through that stuff. And I went first. (laughs) I've had to experience it and hold space for myself to go through it. But it's not it's not an isolated thing like I've it happens to literally everyone. So take it from me and know that if slash when you experience that in your business, it doesn't mean anything about you and you have every right to protect your business. Okay, let's lighten the mood for a minute. Let's answer this next question from Geta. She said, what's a stereotype that you got labeled and then broke out of through your business? And so I'm going to do a little bit more, again of like a throwback to when I was talking about my journey as a fitness influencer and then a fitness coach Back in that era, when I first started taking clients as a fitness coach, I think a lot of people assumed that I actually didn't have any idea what I was doing. People assumed that I just had like, quote unquote, a good body. And I was like, I was personally very dedicated to fitness, but that I actually didn't have a real business. And so that was something that was tough to navigate. And eventually the way that I broke out of it was just refusing to quit and like continuing to show up. Again, that's going to be a common theme with like a lot of my business advice. But eventually people could not deny that I was good at what I did because my clients were getting results. I clearly had a wealth of knowledge. I had done thousands of hours of research and experimenting and self-study and certifications where you could not deny that I knew my shit. And you could not deny by the time my business was making six figures, multiple six figures a year, like as a fitness coach, you could not any longer deny that I had a real business. And it was at that point when there was just so much evidence to support that I had a real business, people started asking me how I was doing it. How was I having These like multiple five figure launches? How did I have a full roster of high ticket clients? How was I scaling? How was I hiring team members? How did I have support coaches? Like, how was I doing all of this? And that was literally just because I refused (laughs) to succumb to the stereotype or the label of like, oh, she's just a fitness girl who coaches. Like, she's just like a gym girl. No, no. I was a savvy businesswoman and I have, you know, multiple business degrees. I have a marketing degree. I have an international business degree. I also have a minor in Spanish. Fun fact, very rusty. Don't ask me (laughs) to speak it. But like I, I paid my dues essentially to be able to be seen as someone who knows their shit with business. And I very much stand by that because I'm a huge proponent of doing the thing before teaching other people to do it. So I'm so glad that I stuck with it and I grew my own fitness coaching business and scaled that business really successfully before I started business coaching because I very much walked the walk and had proof of concept before I ever started helping other entrepreneurs, which honestly, I've always been a business coach, but it just first manifested (laughs) as me being a fitness coach. I've always been a marketer. I've always been a strategist. And just the first way it manifested was through health and fitness. Let's answer just one more question. This one is coming from Shanna showers. And her question was, what is the quickest and best path to momentum and success for a mom with a limited time? Really good question. And other than my whole spiel at the beginning about committing to your success, committing to your goals, like deciding once, I would say the number one thing is having a proven plan to follow because if you're a mom, if you work full time, if you're in school, if you are doing multiple of those things, like if you are a busy person and you are starting a business on the side, you do not have time to waste on trial and error. You do not have time to waste on doing like months of research you do not have time to waste on all of the like research and information gathering and trying to piece together a cohesive plan like you don't have that time and the best thing that you can do is have a proven plan, invest in mentorship, invest in the plan, invest in learning from someone who has been where you want to go because they will quite literally collapse time for you. Like they can give you the blueprint that you're looking for and they can point you in the direction of like, here's the stuff that's actually worth your time. Here's the stuff that is not worth your time and you don't need to worry about. Like for example, if you wanna be an online coach and you don't have any offers yet, you don't have an established business, You should not be worrying about your freaking logo or website. (laughs) Stop wasting your time. For example, that's one small thing. But if you don't have a proven plan to follow, you are going to spin your wheels. You're going to waste so much time. And I know, like, especially if you're you're a mom, you have a family, you have kids, like you don't want to be spending your time away from your kids on stuff that isn't actually moving the needle for your business. So it is so worth it to invest in that plan, invest in that blueprint and have the accountability, the support so that the effort and time that you are putting in, it pays off and it's going to actually gain traction, gain momentum, which was your question. And I cannot <laughs> reiterate that enough. Before I hired my first mentor, I spent about 12 to 18 months of like when I first started fitness coaching, really struggling to gain traction. In terms of like my systems, in terms of my scalability, sustainability, I already had an audience at that point. So I just like by pure volume had enough clients to make money, but my business was not running well. And then when I finally invested in a mentor ever since then, my business has doubled year over year. And thankfully at that point, like I was in school. But other than that, my business was the only thing I had to focus on. And so I had, I had time. I had time to trial and error and I had time to waste essentially. But if you're a mom and if you work full time and if you have a lot of other stuff going on, you don't have that time. And so you can either look at it as like, yes, I'm going to pay money and invest and it's a quote unquote cost, but not really because you make your money back and so much more. Or you can look at it as like, okay, I can try to, Spend little to no money, but it's going to cost me so much time and energy and effort. And honestly, the clock is like ticking, right? You don't have forever. And the industry has more and more people in it every day, which doesn't mean that, you know, five years from now, there won't be room for you. But the longer you wait, the more competition you're going to have. So do it now and do it the right way from the beginning and you will have so much more success and achieve it so much faster with so much less frustration and overwhelm. So with that, if you're an online coach, a beginner or aspiring online coach in the health, fitness, life coaching, mindset coaching, career coaching, relationship coaching, spiritual coaching, any sort of personal development coaching space. If you want to set up and launch and scale a successful business, I'll link my free workshop, the five-phase process for getting fully booked as an online coach. I will link that in the episode notes, or you can go to bit.ly slash booked in 30. That's b i t . l y slash booked in three zero. So you can get fully booked in 30 days as an online coach in the industry of your choosing. That's a totally free workshop, and we'll just give you a bird's eye view of the process and what you do need to be focusing on in order to see results because like I said you don't have time to waste if you're a mom if you work full-time you got to have the right plan from day one so I think that's going to wrap us up for this episode but I have so many more questions from that round of submissions so I will for sure do another ask me anything very very soon if this episode was helpful if you enjoyed the spice be sure to let me know send me a dm Post you tuning in on your Instagram story. Leave us five stars. All the things are so appreciated. I will see you next week for another episode. And until then, keep showing up, putting in the work, and holding the vision.